AgriTalk is brought to you by Full Scale from Helena. Grow Strong returns this season with breakthrough foliar nutrition from Full Scale at Reproduction. And by Propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. There is plenty going on in Washington, D.C. as senators prepare a vote on the spending bill. And both the House and the Senate are preparing for a joint session of Congress tonight. And in much of the country, we are preparing for a bomb cyclone that is threatening Christmas travel. And hey, we've got the Farmer Forum coming your way. Live from the shortest day of every year via Farm Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk. This morning, we welcome U.S. Senator Michael Bennett from Colorado. Then we'll have the Farmer Forum with panelists Joe Del Bosque of California and Gene Millard of Missouri. Right after the news with Michelle Rook, we'll get the scoop from Margie Ucklecamp. I'm producer Big Apple Joe Stackler, and now, the host of AgriTalk. No doubt celebrating the first official day of winter, Chip Glory. All right, thank you very much. Yeah, man, good one. All right. Welcome to AgriTalk. I am Chip Flory. Thank you so much. Big Apple Joe Stackler. Mm -hmm. Uh, Davis. Davis has got to be out uh, at least this morning, maybe this afternoon. It uh, depends on how that that visit to the dentist goes (laughs) that we were talking about earlier this week. So good luck to Davis. You know, let's uh, let's hope that he keeps it together. Uh, Boy, a lot of activity. And we knew that there was going to be some of the last minute moment shenanigans uh, going on with the omnibus spending bill uh, after they gave us a one week, you know, kick the can down the road as the deadline hit on December 16. Well, here we are. We are um, up against it again. And Friday at midnight is the deadline and they've got to get this thing done or, we threaten some sort of a um, shutdown, or we could look at another continuing resolution that could kick the can down the road to the new Congress. There's lots of lots of possibilities, but it certainly appears that they're going to get aggressive with it and try to get things done. All right, Michelle Rook. Michelle, how are you? It's good to talk with you again. Hey, good to be here. And yeah. um, I'm always glad for this day. Because it is the shortest day of the year, and everything looks better after this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't. Uh, we may have to wait a few days before things start to look better, though, Michelle. I know you're in the deep better. freeze. I just, <laughs> yeah. you know, I I've grown up with that, so it's nothing yes, new. Yes, you for have. Me, so yes, you have. All right, we better get to it. What do you got yeah. in the news? Well, as you mentioned, the Senate is expected to pass the $1.7 trillion omnibus spending bill today, sending it to the House for final vote ahead of the midnight deadline on Friday. Now, the package has 12 bills attached, including an effort to bring relief to the tight farm labor market uh, that Chip's going to be talking with Senator Michael Bennett from Colorado about in the next segment. The package also includes another $45 billion of emergency economic and military aid for Ukraine and NATO allies. Ukrainian President Zelensky is on his way to the U.S. right now and will address a joint session of Congress this evening. Zelensky will meet 
with President Biden earlier today in a joint press conference with Biden and Zelensky is scheduled for 3.30 Central Time this afternoon. A huge area of the middle of the country, as we mentioned, is under winter weather advisories ranging from winter storm watches to wind chill and blizzard warnings. Snow is expected tonight in the middle of the country with high winds starting Thursday and peaking Friday with 50 mile per hour wind gusts expected. That's expected to drive those wind chills below zero in far southern states where hard freeze warnings have been issued for Houston and Corpus Christi, Texas. Man. I talked to a producer in western Nebraska here this morning. Minus yeah. 50 degree below zero wind chills is what oh, they expect. Oh, my goodness. So yeah, the cattle I mean, producers there are getting ready, but the cattle market really hasn't put yeah. in a lot of weather premium. I was just going to ask you about that. I mean, we've got a little bit of a bump going on in the live cattle market right now. And you know what? There may have been a push in some of the northern sale barn markets yesterday to get a few extra cattle bought but (laughs) there's just not much of a reaction out there right now is there no and usually you'd be what five six dollars with the fab contract over the board or at least the nearby contract over the cash so crazy yeah yeah Uh, wheat market isn't putting much weather premium in either though incidentally no Uh, The Biden administration says it's found more areas of deep concern about Canada's dairy quotas that are inconsistent with Canada's obligations under the U.S.-Mexico-Canada trade agreement. Now, as a result, the administration's expanding its challenge to include Canada's use of a market share approach for determining quotas. And according to the U.S. Trade Representative's office, U.S. Trade Representative Catherine Tai says, quote, Rather than work towards meeting its obligations, Canada persists in implementing new dairy policies that are inconsistent with USMCA, end quote. Now, the U.S. has already won a dispute settlement with Canada under USMCA, but has rejected Canada's solution and has requested additional consultations on the policies. Senators Robert Menendez of New Jersey and Robert Portman of Ohio are calling on U.S. Trade Representative Ty to open trade agreement talks with Ecuador and Uruguay. Portman, who is in the former, who is the former U.S. Trade Chief, says that USMCA can be used as a template to expand export opportunities with trusted partners in Latin America. He also stresses that now is the time to start these talks before China's influence grows in the region. And speaking of China, the state planner has called a meeting of hog industry experts to ensure stable prices after recent excessive price declines. The experts concluded the slump was due to a temporary period of wheat consumption, adding that there is no oversupply of hogs or pork in the country, or at least they say. At least they say. But when you're trying to plan out everything from hog supply to milk supply to everything else, it's tough to say. All right. Thank you so much, Michelle. Okay, let's go to Margie Eckelkamp, editor of The Scoop. Thanks, Chip. Wanted to put a spotlight today on a change in direction for Corteva, specifically around digital agriculture. Now, there have been a lot of rumors as well as news reports that we've done on what it means for the future of granular. And to really boil it down, Corteva is exiting its software as a service activities. And I had the opportunity to do a one-on-one interview with Brian Lutz. He's the vice president of agricultural solutions at Corteva. And he shares that 
they have made that decision to exit what's known as the SaaS model, whereas before Granular was really on three product offerings, Granular Insights, Granular Business, and Granular Agronomy. Now, Granular Business and Granular Agronomy were focused on that SaaS model. They've divested their Granular Business software to Traction Ag, which is an ag accounting software startup that we've talked about before. And then Granular Agronomy, which was mainly focused on fertility recommendations has been discontinued. So they're going to focus their efforts on granular insights, really bringing an end-to-end approach all the way from R&D on the seed and crop protection side to what digital agriculture is able to provide agronomy. Now I'm going to say this a little bit clumsy, but basically let's says the future of digital ag is actually talking less about digital agriculture as a standalone solution and rather how it can be embedded to help farmers make better decisions. So lots more to watch from Corteva, but that's the update as we head into the new year. Excellent. Thank you so much, Margie. That is Margie Echelkamp, editor of The Scoop. Get more on that at www.thedailyscoop.com. Farm labor, it's always been a big issue. Our next guest, Senator Michael Bennett, has some proposed legislation to bring some relief to that front. We'll talk with Senator Bennett from Colorado next. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. AgriTalk is brought to you by the Conservation at Work video series. Farmer to Farmer, the Conservation at Work video series features real stories, real successes, real quick. See what's possible at farmers.gov slash conservation. Welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm Chip Flory. Glad that you are with us this morning, and I hope you're all getting prepared for the weather that is going to blow into the middle of the country. Looks like starting tonight with the snow into tomorrow and then the winds pick up, peak out on Friday. So be prepared for that. All right. Senator Michael Bennett from Colorado is the sponsor of a bill designed to bring some relief to at tight farm labor conditions. He's a member of the Senate Ag Committee, and we are thrilled to have him on the show right now. Senator Bennett, welcome to AgriTalk. Thanks, Chip. It's great to hear your voice, and thanks for having me. Glad that you are here. Let's... Uh, um, you know what? First, before we get to that bill, joint session of Congress tonight uh, came as a bit of a surprise. But I would I would imagine that uh, anticipation 
of the address from Ukrainian President Zelensky is uh, is, is much anticipated. I think it's, it's it is much anticipated, and I think that it is. I'm really looking forward to to, to going there. You know, he we had a we had a Zoom call the Senate with President Zelensky early in this crisis in the middle of COVID. And it was just like any Zoom call that anybody would have, except it was the the president of Ukraine. And I think, you know, what he said is all we're fighting for is to be able to live our lives the way you live your lives. And what we're fighting for is democracy. And since that time, you know, it's been really inspiring to see that courage of the Ukrainian people, the bravery of the Ukrainian people, and the way people living in free societies all over the world have come together yeah. to support the Ukrainian people with weapons and with, uh, with aid that's really important. They're on the front line of democracy for the world right now, uh, and I'm glad President Zelensky is going to be here to talk about it. Yeah, very good, very good. I hope that the meeting with uh, President Biden and, and some of his cabinet officials uh, goes well, and, and it will be – it's going to be really interesting to see the press, the joint press conference with, and, and, and to hear Zelensky's um, responses to American press uh, this afternoon. That it's, I'm looking forward to it very much. Okay. That is, the, good. That is going to be interesting. Yeah, go ahead, Chip. Okay. I was just going to say, I, I think Putin is probably taking all this in as well. <laughs> you know, he's, he's made one blunder after another, after another, after another. And, you know, we have to stand strong in the face of that tyranny. Excellent. Excellent point. Excellent point, Senator. Uh, the Affordable and Secure Food Act, it's attracted broad-based support from ag groups out there. I think... The, the the latest number that I saw, I think, was 216 different groups have voiced their support for it. Start with an overview of the bill. What's the primary goal? Yeah, I think it was actually 240 from basically every state in the union, every kind of agricultural interest you could imagine, from farmers and ranchers to peach growers to, you know, blueberry folks, to everybody. And what the bill does basically is – First, it establishes a program for agricultural workers. Uh, uh, by, it reforms the H-2A Temporary Agriculture Worker Program by providing H-2A visas for, for year-round jobs for the first time. As you know, that's incredibly important to dairy. Uh, so that's one of the things it does. It changes the adverse effect wage rate, AWER, uh, which, you know, wages have been going up like crazy. It, it limits those fluctua fluctuations for each state down to a ceiling of 3% and a floor of 1.25%, which is going to give producers a lot of predictability, uh, which they don't have today. And it will save producers $23.4 billion over the next 12 years. Uh, it, it, it establishes a mandatory nationwide e-verify system for all agricultural employment, uh, and it and it and it establishes a program for agricultural workers if they've been if they've worked for ten years to earn a path to a green card. So that's the basic that's the basic uh, tenets of it. And you know we we are have have such a shortage right now 
of farm labor and the price has gone up so much that with all the other inputs that are surging as well, you know, this is this we're putting farms and ranches out of business in America right now. Yeah. Yeah. The the uh, so I, I think about some of the the larger dairies out there and I'm thinking about one of our uh, guests that's going to be on in the farmer forum, Joe, Joe Del Bosque from California, who uh, has a produce operation out in California, um, who has had workers with them for many years. They're part of the family when you get right down to it. Yeah. Yet their status is still uncertain going forward. That the 10 year, it, the, the eligibility for a green card after 10 years of agricultural work, what does that mean for those long-term workers that are that have been in the U.S. for a while? What it means is they can come out of the shadows, you know, and we have, we, I don't believe that our system of agriculture is going to be uh, sustainable based on some sort of system of indentured servitude. And certainly the producers I know in Colorado feel exactly the same way. I mean, you, you mentioned vegetables. I have a friend named Robert Cicada who for years, you know, has grown vegetables uh, in, a, in just north of Denver. And he finally had to sell his equipment because he just couldn't hire anybody to do it anymore. Or I think about, you know, Produce and now it's just row crops for him. I think about producers all over the state who have had people working on their farms, literally the same people for decades, but these people are still living in the shadows, you know, which doesn't help anybody. Yeah. And I think, I think it, it, for people that are worried about, about, you know, our border, which I worry about too, if, if folks know that when they get here, they're not going to be able to work you know, in the shadows, that, 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 that there's a system in place for the people that have been here for forever. To right. I think that'll that'll slow the the you know the arrival of people across our southern border. Frankly, okay, okay. I want to talk about that more in just a moment. But what's the status of of the the Affordable and Secure Food Act? Is it going well, to be attached? I, you know, Congress. Congress is on ver on the verge. I, I I regret to say this, of missing a huge opportunity to address this labor crisis in agriculture, this wage crisis in agriculture. This bill has passed twice in the House of Representatives with a big bipartisan vote uh, led by Mike Simpson from from Idaho, who's a Republican, uh, and some of the uh, Republicans from the West Coast as well. And, you know, the Senate should be passing this as well. And I don't know whether we're going to be able to get it done or not in the last few hours of trying to get the, the budget across the finish line. But, but if, if we don't, what I'm worried about is with the House flipping, what I'm worried about is that we're not going to be able to address this for years in a meaningful oh. way. And, you know, I, Chip, on this issue, I go back to 2013 when we, when we wrote and passed the gang of eight immigration bill here in the Senate, it got 68 votes. It dealt with all the agriculture issues that we didn't, we have failed to deal with. They were all negotiated at that time, but by me and Marco Rubio from Florida and Orrin Hatch from Utah, and Diane Feinstein. And man, if we'd passed that bill back then, or if they'd gone to the house of representatives and they'd had a vote. And there's a reason why John Boehner says it's the biggest regret 
of his speakership that yeah. he didn't put that that bill on the floor for a vote, yeah. we wouldn't be facing these problems today. Wouldn't be facing them today. All right, Senator Bennett, we need to move on from from uh, th- this bill, but uh, I want to ask you about drought. Uh, I mean, I know that Congress can't make it rain, but they can provide <laughs> some relief for producers. Uh, what What's the plans? We got to, you know, I think that we are facing in the West a 1,200-year drought, and um, that, that is, it's not been this bad for 1,200 years, and and we've had a drought for more than 20 years. The Colorado River Basin is um, is is uh, is drying up, and uh, and it's posing real threat to the livelihood of farming and ranching operations. I think that we're going to have to be there um, at the on the ag committee, making people understand that issues of water quality are important, but issues of water quantity are critically important. We've got programs that we can expand to help uh, producers, but I also think more broadly, we're gonna have to figure out as a nation how we're gonna support what hopefully is gonna be a consensus agreement at some point between the upper basin states and the the, uh, lower basin states on the Colorado to uh, use federal resources to support okay. to support the consensus they come to, like we've done in the Midwest okay. with the Great Lakes when they had the yeah, Senator, were- Senator, I am sorry, but we are out of time. We need to do okay. this again as soon as possible. Thank you, sir. I'd love to do it. Thanks, Chip. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. Time for Markets Now with the experts from ProFarmer. Joining us now, ProFarmer editor Brian Grady. Beach. Looks like corn and wheat, winter wheat, leading the way to the upside today in the grains. What's going on? Yeah, so uh, corrective trade in, in the, both of those markets, I think. Now, the, the wheat market, uh, you know, the, the bitter cold temperatures that we're going to face over the next, what, four, five, six days here uh, are, you know, giving them a fundamental, traders a fundamental reason uh, to cover some shorts and, and things like that. But, uh, uh, you know, this is corrective trade. Uh, and the yeah. easiest way of, of figuring that out is SRW contracts are leading to the upside. And uh, it's the HRW um, states that are at greatest risk, I think, of the winter kill right. as we move you know, forward through the next couple of days here. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, the soy complex isn't being left behind. We've got some gains there. 
Yeah. Uh, so they're participating, but not leading. And, and uh, you know, the soy complex has been the leader to the upside or on, on days to the upside here recently. And, and so it's probably healthy for the uh, the entire grain and soy market uh, to, to see the wheat market yeah. and corn take over more of a leadership role today. Yeah, very good. Very good. Take us over to the livestock trade. Start with hogs. Yeah, uh, so explosive gains there. Uh, we've kind of been adding premium and then taking it out and adding premium and taking it out. And, and today's an ad day, um, you know, as we wait on a, a seasonal low to develop in the uh, cash market. So, um, but definitely adding premium, especially in the front end of that market today. Uh, cattle market uh, also showing a firmer tone aside from uh, front month uh, January feeder cattle, uh, which are lower in reaction to the uh, strength in the corn market. Uh, but every Everything else is, is trading to the upside this morning. All right, buddy, stay warm. That is Pro Farmer Editor Brian Grady on Markets Now. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. When news breaks, the newsmakers talk about it on AgriTalk with Chip Flory. Farmer Forum time. Let's get to it. Welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm your host, Chip Flory. Glad that you're with us this morning. Joining us right now, Gene Millard from Missouri. Gene, welcome back to the Farmer Forum, my friend. How are you? Chip, we're, we're honored to be on your show this morning, and, and I'm glad you're getting the cold weather before us. <laughs> well, not that much before you, Gene. <laughs> I know. It's rolling in. You know, they're talking about 30 below wind chill here by, uh, you know, late tonight. So, yeah, yeah, yeah this is uh, old man winter giving us an early blast. But it may yeah. not last long. Yeah, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. We're also going to be getting, uh, uh, well, we've got him right now, Joe Del Bosque from California. Joe, welcome back to Agri. talking the Farmer Forum, my friend. Good morning. I'm very glad to be here and talk about one of my two favorite subjects. Okay. Uh, the other is probably water management and drought, isn't it? It was mentioned during the discussion with Senator Bennett. Yes, the drought on the West. Yes. Yeah. I tell you what, Joe, it is it, it, it is really something to see how n- not just the business networks, but the networks have, ha- have, you know, kind of zeroed in on you as the farmer expert out in California to put perspective on just how dry it is, uh, to put perspective on just how tough the labor situation is. So hats off to you, Joe. You're doing a great job as, uh, of being a, you know, kind of a, a representative uh, for, for the industry out there. Good, good for you, man. Well, thank you very much. Uh, you know, I think it's important that everybody and everybody is a consumer of what we grow needs to know what goes on out here because it, it all, all affects everyone yeah yep absolutely all right joe you you heard the senator um what do you make of the bill i'm 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 a little dis it, it seems to me like this bill hits a lot of the points that you've talked about over the last several years doesn't it it does uh first of all i'm thankful for the senator for pushing this bill, and I'm also glad to see there's a lot of bipartisan support for it, 
a lot of ag groups out here um, in produce that are, are supporting it. Uh, I don't know all about it, but I, I know quite a bit about the Farm Workforce Modernization Act, which uh, which is the basis of uh, yeah. of his uh, labor provisions. Yeah, and the the certainty, and I don't want to call it a comfort level, but the certainty that it would bring for the labor force for the producers like you that are are. Uh, employing these workers the certainty that it that would come with the passage of of the bill and some of the provisions they're they're just so long overdue joe i i don't know i i I wish i could have gotten a little bit more time with the senator to find out why why is this bill not being included as a tag on to to the omnibus spending bill but it doesn't appear that it's going to be well, this is a very incredibly in, important uh, issue that I hope gets passed um, before Congress, uh, before the end of the year. Um, we have been working on this for, I don't know, two or three or more uh, administrations in Washington, and it has and it's failed. Um, I'd be very ecstatic, but surprised if the bill does get passed. We have yeah. a lot of people that have been waiting years and years. Some of them are almost getting to uh, retirement age, and, and and nothing has been done. Yeah. Yeah. This is a fascinating subject, isn't it, Gene? Because it, it seems like there are logical, acceptable, workable solutions that have been pro- proposed many times. And yet they just right. keep uh, kicking it down the road. Well, that seems to be a habit in D.C. right now. And that's nothing new. It's been going on for years, uh, in my memory at least, that they always think that it, it'll get solved by somebody else later and they don't want to take any negative hits. Uh, yeah. And sometime somebody is going to have to really stand up. And I'm not sure what that's going to take, but... Uh, certainly uh, this is an issue that needs to be addressed and, and, and get it done now. There needs to be some certainty down the road. Yeah, it certainly does. And, and Gene, in the note that you sent earlier, you know, it's easy to think strictly of Hispanic workers when when we think about those that are being affected by right. this. But but that's not that's not 100% of the case, is it? No. No, no, that's not. Uh, there's, uh, I think, quite a few that are coming in for the labor force that are from Eastern Europe and uh, and also from uh, South Africa. And so it's not just Hispanics that we're, uh, we're dealing with here in, in terms of addressing this issue. And so it, it, it requires more of a comprehensive approach rather than just yeah. a border war approach. Yes, yes, exactly. Joe, that's an I think it's a very important point on this. It it it's uh it's not a border not just a border issue. This as Gene just said very well, it's it, it deserves a comprehensive look like is is provided in this bill. Oh, absolutely right. You know, <clears throat> it isn't just about um about workers coming from Mexico, um, although there are there's a great uh, pool of uh, workforce that would like to come from Mexico, but also from other countries that are in trouble, like Central America, where they have um, you know they have big issues there 
um, and, and the people are flocking to the U.S. And this bill would allow some of those to come in legally, do what they want to come to do, to work and make some money and support their families and go back home safely. And, and I think it's, it's a win-win. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Joe, dis- describe to us the housing requirements, because I believe in this bill are included <coughs> some, some I, I don't know if it's a relaxation of some of the housing requirements or some, some uh, support on the ho- housing requirements, but describe what the requirements are. You know, I don't know the real specifics, but you, but uh, under the H-2A program, um, the employer has to provide housing for, uh, for his employees. <clears throat> In many cases, uh, and I know a number of them, they, uh, they go out and buy old motels that, you know, are not in use anymore or, or just uh, need to sell. <clears throat> and they're, um, they're converting them into living quarters for their people. They're, there are provisions as to how many you can have in a room and things like that. But from what I hear, um, you know, these folks that come in as guest workers are very happy. They get paid well. Um, they're living in safe conditions. And also they get, um, they get transport, transportation to, to the, sure. from their uh, place they live to the, to the field. So yep. it's a win-win for them. They, they love that. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Okay, um, let's move on here, guys. But I don't want to move too far away from Joe at this point because I want to go back to the drought and the water situation. What have you have you had any relief at all, Joe? We had some early rains here, um, and we're tracking. You know, we track the uh, water uh, um, over what's called an eight station index, and we're close to normal, but we're very early in the year. Uh, most of our our rain and snow comes in um, in the next couple of months, and um, we're we're cautiously optimistic uh, because last year we had early rains about this time of the year, and then they quit, and, and then we had one of the driest years uh, you know we've had in a long time. So we've got a long ways to catch up. Our reservoirs are very low, and uh, and, and and you know we're we just need to. We need a lot more rain. This is this is one of those issues where uh, Mother Nature is in charge here. Yep. Yeah, that's right, Gene. It's like I said to the senator. We know that Congress can't make it rain, but what kind of relief can <laughs> are they looking that's to provide right. out there? Yeah, it's, it's well, well, I don't. I, yeah, it's it's a, it's hard to do. It's really is a difficult thing to replace a good moisture situation. Yeah, yeah. There's no doubt about that. So, Joe, what are you doing to deal with to deal with that situation? I mean, do, are are you seeing your water allotments cut back? What's going on? Well, water allotments have been cut back for years. Um, in fact, this this year, two thousand twenty two, and last year, we got a zero water allocation. Zero. That we're contractors with the uh, U.S. Bureau of Reclamation. And the only way that we've been able to survive these years is because we've made partnerships with other districts in, in the Central Valley that have a better water supply. And so we've been, they've been, thank God, generous enough to sell us some of their water to keep us in business. But we can't go on like this very long. You know, this, yeah. has, been, this has been bad for several years. Our water's more expensive. 
we've, we've got to do something. And, and part of what we've got to do is we've got to increase our storage capacity because we will have wet years. We know that. We had a really extremely wet year in 2017 when Oroville Lake overflowed the dam. Yeah. Uh, so yep. <clears throat> we need to have we need to have uh, you know our government get engaged in in getting more uh, more storage. Yeah, it seems like every time they get a little bit of excess rain out there, they restart a flow here or there to you know to to protect some minnow or something like that. Joe, it, it's uh, it, it's really something. Okay, we are in the middle of a farmer forum. We've got Joe Del Bosque from California, Gene Millard from Missouri. You know what? When we come back, I'll tell you this. 2022 has been described as a, quote-unquote, good year for the ethanol industry. Gene's very involved in the ethanol industry. We're going to find out that, you know, yeah, it was a good year, but that doesn't mean there aren't some challenges. We'll talk to Gene and Joe about that next. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. I don't know what you're thinking. So call us at 855-4-TALK-AG and tell us what's on your mind. Welcome back to the Farmer Forum on AgriTalk. Before we get back to Gene Millard from Missouri, Joe Del Bosque from California, let's make time for this Yields in the Fields. Yields in the Fields on AgriTalk is brought to you by Microessentials from Mosaic, the science of more. Discover our proven products. Text YIELDS to 31313. All right, yield leaders in the National Corn Growers Association Yield Contest will be honored at Commodity Classic early next year, but the winners have already been announced. And because Illinois had a record state corn yield this year, that's the list that I looked at first. Dale Hayden, Jacksonville, Illinois, led the state with a strip, minimum, mulch, or ridge till, non-irrigated entry, of 335.79 bushels per acre. Congratulations to Dale. Yields in the Fields is brought to you by Microessentials from Mosaic. All right, Joe Del Bosque out in California. Gene Millard there in Missouri is um, uh, are on the Farmer Forum today. Gene, like I said at the end of the last segment, uh, 2022 has been called a good year for for ethanol, and I think it gets to the RVOs uh, under the RFS and the 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 RFS reset right. and everything, uh, and that is good news, I think, for ethanol. But it's not without challenges for an ethanol maker, is it? 
Well, it's not without challenges because uh, the uh, issue is between whether you're in the Eastern Corn Belt or the West. And, uh, you know, because this year, the most unusual aspect has been the basis. Uh, that is the differential because we, we 50 over the board uh, there in the late summer uh, at 22. And then, you know, it just stayed there uh, at extraordinarily high above uh, the board all the way to now. I mean, it's 30 yep. right now. The current uh, base is 35 over. Well, in the fall of the year in this part of the country, I mean, I can't contract for next fall, but, but for 30 under. Yeah. So it's, it really, uh, you know, you can hedge, uh, you know, your anticipated grind, uh, on the board, uh, and buy the cash corn and that's all fine and dandy, but you cannot hedge base. And right. the basis has been extraordinarily out of sync this year. Yeah. All you can do is try to put your best analysis on it. And I'm sorry, but the best analysis that you can put on basis is that it's going to return to, quote, unquote, normal levels at some point at some time. Well, in the meantime, right. in, the, in the meantime, when you're grinding corn, Gene, you're grinding corn at 35 under or 35 right. over instead of 30 under. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah. And there is your margin. That's a lot of your yep. margin uh, yep. in the operation. And uh, right. even in our particular case, our, our plant, we made a strategic decision years ago now to, to produce uh, high quality, 190, 200 proof uh, alcohol to a contract market, industrial market for personal care and, and uh, industrial uh, uses of all kinds. And so that's a contract market. And so we're dealing with customers oh. that want to contract uh, for their uh, uh, alcohol uh, six months to a year in advance. Yeah. So uh, that becomes, becomes kind of challenging when you're dealing with this uh, extraordinary basis yeah. issue. Boy, there's a lot of variables that you've got to take into consideration when you're doing that, no doubt. Uh, you know, oh, when, yeah. we think, when, when we think about the RFS and, and biofuels, and I want to kind of slide over to bio-based diesel for a bit here because of of uh, California's low-carbon fuel standard. Joe, the, the California's LCFS is driving a lot of the investment that is happening in the renewable diesel industry, whether it be refiners investing in crush facilities or in their own refining facilities out there. But what is the what is the conversation around the low carbon fuel standard out there in California? How well known is it? How how what do people think when you talk about it? There isn't too much talk about that here. Um, you know, California is all about renewables, and you know, to California that means solar. Um, the state wants to outlaw uh, any kind of carbon-based fuels like in about 15 years so uh you know we're all wondering how in the hell we're going to do that <laughs> yeah um uh, that's, yeah. that's that's where we are as californians yeah gene and then we sit here in the middle of the country and we look at some of the proposals that are coming out of california some of the proposals that are coming or some of the programs that are coming out of other parts of the state country and and we think yeah that's that's nice but how do you how are you going to make that happen right well exactly and you know you put you put a time 
curve on what it takes to replace the fleet of vehicles in the United States. It's just astronomical. Yeah. And uh, you're not going to have all electric uh, vehicles, I'm sorry, by the end of the decade. Uh, that That is just not going to happen. And, of course, we're here in the middle of the country, and we're more concerned about driving 25, 30 miles every time we get in a vehicle, uh, or maybe 100. And so it's, it's just a case where practicality seems to be uh, being set aside in the favor of, uh, you know, some idealistic environmental issue yep yep but joe i got good news for you you know some some of the electric semis that were ordered and supposed to have been delivered like i think it's like 22 months ago now are they they are talking about finally starting to build some of those semis so at this pace in 15 years yeah, you, you're probably hoping that the sun shines every day to keep those batteries charged. <laughs> oh, I, I think I think that <laughs> I think we'll be able to convert a lot. You know, um, passenger vehicles, probably yeah. uh, you know, short run trucks like uh, tr- uh, city deliveries and things like that. But long long range trucks like uh, you know hauling yeah. produce from here to the east coast are a little more difficult and then of course tractors are going to be yeah. difficult because you got you got to get them to a charging station every night and i don't exactly. know how practical that's going to be we, we have some fields that are several miles from the nearest power line right right <laughs> guys well, we, chip, chip, our, yeah our guys sorry we are out of time thank you so much gene Love talking with you, brother. Thank you so much. Gene Miller from Missouri. Joe, same to you. Joe Del Bosque out in California.